Good evening, everyone. Uh, thank you for joining the Blog Talk Podcast. I'm your host, Jameer, and this is uh, Heavenly Places. Hopefully your week is going well. This week we're going to continue going through our study of the book, Manifest Destiny, The Path Towards Wisdom. And this week we are on Knowing the Secret Place. That is Chapter 6 from the book. And we'll be, uh, actually, I want to open up with a scripture tonight, and it's uh, actually Matthew chapter 6. Actually, before I do that, let me open up in prayer. Uh, Father, I thank you for your blessings. I thank you for your salvation, O oh Father, Lord. I thank you for your son, uh, Jesus Christ, O oh Father. I pray for all those who are uh, listening, those who are tuning in, those who are listening right now, and those who will listen later, Father. I pray for your I pray for your blessings upon your life, for uh direction, O oh Father, for your wisdom, your grace and mercy. And also, Father, guide me this evening, Father, uh be the um be led by the Spirit, your very presence, your Holy Spirit. In the mighty name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Okay, so we uh um going to start in Matthew chapter 6 and let's see the verse. I'm going to just go ahead since I have this one already open. I'm going to read kind uh, of new international version and I'm going to read verses 1 through 14 or 15. I'm sorry, 1 through 15. Um, and very familiar passage in scripture. It says, be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce with trumpets as a hypocrite to do in the synagogue and on the streets to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, they have their reward and have received it in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left know what your right hand is doing. So that your giving may be in secret. Then your father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. Verse verse five. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on street corners to be seen by others. Truly I tell you they have their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room. Close your door and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not go babbling like the pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. And this is the prayer. Then, This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us, this, give us today our daily bread and forgive us our, debtors, our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, their sins, your father will not forgive your sins. And again, that's uh, 
coming from Matthew chapter 6, verses 1 through 15, NIV version. So uh, in that passage, we actually see uh, Jesus is sort of talking about two different type of uh, groups. We have um, individuals who uh, are doing things on the outside or out- outwardly. They're doing things with uh, pairs of be right, so they're praying and they're, and they're giving to people, um, which are things that our Father wants us to do. He wants us to give uh, our clothes away or some of our possessions away, you know. But uh, we have uh, two different types of group of people. One people, they're doing it just so they could be seen on the outward. They want the reward. And they're, basically their reward is not coming from their Father in heaven, but their reward is getting the praises of men. Oh, man, these, these gentlemen or these, these ladies, these powerful people, they're giving so much money to these people. You know, that's, that's the reward. That's all they're going to get. You know, but when you do things in secret before, before your Father, now that reward is... Uh, it's so so much greater and we we will get to those. Um but what I want to focus on now is the uh, secret place. So in Matthew six we have Jesus giving us one of the most powerful prayers in the world, which is we is commonly we refer to as the Lord's Prayer. And um I like to uh, compare it to uh creating a good home cooked meal. You ever cook something? And when you begin, you begin to cook, before uh, actually uh, starting the cook, you look at the uh, directions. And then you look at the ingredients, and it says, uh, okay, you need two eggs, you need butter, you need milk. And I'm speaking of uh, make, making a cake, for example, or whatever you're making. Um, but for most of the recipes, there's a part you need to do before you start mixing the things together. And... Those are the preparation stages. So setting the temperature for the oven or letting the food unthaw or or whatever it may be. And when you don't follow all of those directions, um, you could have many problems. The food might not be as tasty, um, not perfectly, or you, you might have time issues. These types of things when you don't follow all the preparation things that you need to do before you actually start mixing the food together. And this is also true with prayer and communion with our Father. Um, Especially when you're first starting out in your walk with the Father, I I find it, I, I believe it's important that you just can't rush into prayer without preparing yourself. Um how to pray and how to learn to pray. And Jesus, I believe, informed us what we must do to prepare ourselves to pray in this uh, Matthew chapter 6. And he says, whenever you pray, you go into your room, you close the door, and you pray to your Father who is unseen. So those are the three steps. Go into a room, close the door, and pray into your Father. And me, myself, I've, I've done that countless times, you know, just and especially in the past. And I've done those three things, and it seemed like things were kind of still the same without me having any results, you know. Um, so I'm going, just imagine, like, when you, and I'll, 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 
positive experiences when we go into the room and we pray and then we start thinking about the bills or we start thinking about the different problems that are upon us, work situations, maybe it's health situations or even car problems or things going on with the family and then sometimes like the the phone the phone may start ringing or you might get an email your phone is phone is beeping for a text message you know you may even be start hearing cars drive by you know or the, the even the air blowing whatever it may be you know all of these are, are um distractions once we go and try to enter into prayer um and I believe what Jesus is truly saying about prayer is that uh, that we have to have uh, a focus, talking about closing the door, to the room. And I want to look at that word room. And this is uh, in the Greek. It's uh, tamion, T-A-M-E-I-O-N. And tamion is actually a, a specific type of room. And we know that there are many rooms. We have the bedroom, the kitchen, the office room, um, the bathroom. There, there are many types of rooms in the house, and each one has their uh, specific purpose. Um, but sometimes a bedroom, you know, can be turned into a dining room, or the the, the front room can be turned into a a living room, you know, <laughs> or the front room can be turned into a bedroom. Sorry, but the tamion. The tamion, the Greek word for room here, I believe is uh has a specific purpose. And we can learn even more about that if we look in uh Luke chapter twelve, verse twenty-four. And Jesus says, Consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They have a storeroom, yet our I'm sorry, they have no storeroom, yet our father feeds them. And how much more valuable are you than birds? Okay. Now that word that where it says they they have no storeroom, that is the same um, word as a uh, tamion. Tamion that Jesus uh, uses in the uh, Lord's Prayer, where it says, "Go into your room, go into your tamion, or go into your storeroom." So the tamion is a place of storage, a place of extra, a place of beyond. Measure. The Tamion is a room that is beyond measure, beyond numbering, beyond counting, and beyond what your even your mind can comprehend. It's kind of like the, the scripture of First Corinthians chapter two, verse nine. It says, "No eye has seen, nor ear has heard, and no human mind has conceived all the things that our Father has prepared for those who love Him." You know, uh, one of my favorite stories is, uh, actually, it's probably one of the only ones I can remember, <laughs> but it's also one of my favorite stories, but it references a storage room or a storeroom, and it's actually recorded in Genesis. And in this story, Pharaoh, he had a dream, and y'all know this story. Pharaoh had a dream of seven fat cows and seven skinny cows. And that not only perplexed Pharaoh, but it also um, it also uh, led him to uh, asking all of his wise men, "What is the meaning?" And uh, no one was uh, able to interpret it or understand it. 
But then the cupbearer remembered one of his old child buddies who get, who had the gift to interpret dreams, and it was a young Hebrew slave named Joseph. So Pharaoh sent for Joseph from the dungeon and explained the dream to him. And then Joseph, of course, with the help of the Holy Spirit, told him the meaning. Basically, he said the famine was coming upon the land, and he needed to make preparations. And as a result of uh, this interpretation, Pharaoh appointed Joseph as the second highest person in all of Egypt, and his task was to prepare Egypt for this famine. Joseph, with the anointing of the Holy Spirit, was able to accumulate so much as it was recorded. This is actually uh, in Genesis chapter 41, verse 49. It says that they had to stop keeping records because they had so much surplus in the storeroom, titanium. And some version says it was beyond measure. Uh, some of the translations say that, beyond measure. So like Joseph, we have a storeroom where we can access that is beyond measure. However, unlike Joseph, it is not our responsibility to With the filler of the storeroom, so he's the one that's filling it up for us. We just need to be convenient with them. We don't have to worry about where the supplies are coming from, or how to get there, or, or how the shipments will be made. Um, actually, a, a, a great example of this is Ephesians chapter three, verses fourteen through twenty. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit and your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and how high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure to all the fullness of your Father. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we even ask, seek, or imagine or Think uh, or even comprehend. When this is your imagine what uh, thinking about revelation, comfort, joy, peace, direction, manifestations, health, contentment. Um, and even something that Paul says, immeasurably more, all of that, as in this spiritual secret place or storeroom. You know, we have many needs of the Father. We have many desires of the Father, and that they, we must know that they are all available in this storeroom. And the manifestation of all of it 
depends on what we allow to work within us, according to this passage, Ephesians 3, chapter 14 through 20. And if you're in a secret place and you're like me and you're looking around, okay, I'm speaking of being in the room and I'm locking the door. And I'm looking around, and I see books. I see unfolded clothes. I see a window and a bed to sleep on. And while I'm attempting to communicate with our Father, if that is all that I'm working within me, if I'm thinking about, I mean, I got to fold up these clothes, or maybe I got to close this window, or see what's going on out there, that's all that's working within me, and I'm not going to get anywhere, you know. I need to close the door to all of those thoughts and those things and it's a challenge you know it's not anything easy especially in this uh, age where um, our attention attention span is uh, so short (laughs) you know it's even hard for many people to pay attention to a 60 minute show on television you know, and it, it's a whole lot of things going on in commercial, but just imagine in a room, your your mind can go anywhere. But we must close the door. And closing the door on, on external interference is the easy part, so we can easily shut the window. We can easily close the door. But closing the door of the mind, the spiritual door, is more challenging. Um, after all, it is uh, the issues of life, you know, this brings us into the secret place after all. I mean, the worries, the problems, concerns, you know, they all drive us, okay, I, everything I'm doing is not working, so I need to pray. But once we end that place, we need to close the door to those things, even though we're bringing those issues before the Father, you know. Um, actually, there's a, uh, actually a famous statement that, uh, I hear oftentimes in the church, it says, uh, don't tell God how big your problems are, but tell your problems how big your father is. And basically the point of this statement is that our problems are nothing in comparison to our heavenly father. And once we are in a secret place, the goal is to lay our problems down. Actually, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7 says, cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. And when we begin to release our problems, worries, concerns from our own self, from our mind, this is when we begin to make room for what our Father has to offer. Now, closing the door to your problems, um, closing the door to your problems In their proper and placing them in your in their proper position, which is basically you putting all your problems under your feet, showing that you have a higher position and place of authority. Um, another scripture is Second uh, Kings chapter uh, four, verse thirty-three. We see Elijah shutting Elisha shutting the door as he prayed for the widow's dead son. His intentions in closing the door was to focus on the problem of the dead boy. He didn't want the death. It was on the outside interfering with the life on the inside, meaning 
not the death of the boy, but the death that is going on in the world, interfering with the vice that is the Holy Spirit, the Heavenly Father, is is uh, manifesting as the door is closed. And this, I believe, allows him to focus. And we have all come across the problem, I believe, of a race and mind, you know, talked about it earlier, thinking about, okay, what am I going to cook? What are we going to eat? What are we going to drink? Or how long am I going to be in this room? <laughs> this Tammy on this prayer room. And if we cannot control our mind, we will not be able to complete the second step of closing the door. You know, one of the best methods I've heard for closing the door control or controlling your mind Actually, it's kind of more, not a method, but more of an explanation as compared to flying a kite. You know, uh, flying a kite is not difficult. And though it can be if if it's not done correctly, you know. But in order to fly a kite, you need the right conditions, a breezy day and a place free of wires or trees. And... When controlling your mind, you know, the wind represents thoughts that bombard our minds during prayer. And most of the time, we go with our thoughts, resulting in us losing our mind with a wind. And when this happens, you let the wind take the kite wherever it pleases. And the wind, it doesn't care if your kite ends up stuck in a tree or some cabling, you know. Um, sometimes it wouldn't break your night. I mean, your kite. Regardless of it's a, regardless of your experience, if you just let it go wherever it wants to be. So the kite, you know, it represents our mind, and we have the ability to harness our thoughts during prayer, like a kite, like or actually the kite flyer who harnesses a kite when the wind. So we don't have to be moved by every thought. You know, we don't have to be like the kite. is. oh, the kite wants to go here. Our mind wants to go here. We don't have to be moved by those thoughts. We know those thoughts are going to come, but we must control and guard our thoughts and hearts during this time in a secret place, according to Proverbs 4, verse 23, where it says, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. So if you're unable to control your mind, you will you if you're not able to you won't be able to uh manifest all these things that your father has it's gonna it's gonna be very challenging and this is something I experienced in my life you know it's something that the father has worked on me at and and he has continued to do because I'm not always there where I wanted to be actually I want to give you an example of uh, one time uh I was in prayer at church, and uh, actually it was it was on a Wednesday evening. And as I I sat there and prayed, my attention was kind of like gradually drawn to what was before my eyes. And I stood there watching the people that were there was people playing music there, and I watched them play. And I I seen them this before, you know, whatever. So I kind of was watching them pray. Uh, Play, play the uh, instruments, you know, during prayer. And I was like, no, 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 I can't be focusing on that. So I began to 
really press in into the presence of the Father, you know, and, and begin to pray and press in. Yeah. And then uh, as I began to pray, I, the Holy Spirit began to, to actually minister and speak to me. And uh, as I was in prayer, I actually seen uh, angels playing volleyball. And I was wondering, okay, what's going on? They was, like, hitting the ball back and forth. And uh, the Holy Spirit had ministered to me and told me that the reason they were playing volleyball is because no one is praying. So they basically, their hands were tied, and they were unable to do anything, you know. And not that we're commanding angels because our Father is the one who commands them, but there are things that we have to do in the process of prayer where they cause us angels to move on our behalf and minister before us, or minister for us. And um, so then as a, I was in, in the midst of this uh, prayer, it had uh, dawned on me that uh, the angels, you know, are, and and I, we, we have, we have uh, something to do. <laughs> You know, our, our prayer, we're just not saying words. We're not just repeating things repetitiously, but things are actually happening in the spiritual realm that's affecting, affecting the natural realm, this earthly realm, and things are not happening because of things that I'm not doing in, doing or participating in, and it's not my father's fault, um, and it is, it's not my job's fault or it's not my family's fault, but it's my fault for... Um, not preparing myself, you know. Um, Second Corinthians chapter eleven verse three says, uh, "But I fear, least by any means, as a serpent tricked Eve through his tricks, so your mind should be, so your mind be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ." So this is again Second Corinthians eleven verse three is talking about um, Satan using our mind, you know, and how he use use his mind to trick her, and he's doing the same thing to us. This is it's a mind. So Eve she ate the fruit because of the the, the idea that Satan had implanted into her mind. It's like watching a commercial where advertiser says, this item will make a big difference in your life. And then you go to the store quoting what you have heard on television. As a man, you was the one who came up with that idea. And what they have done is uh, they have made, the advertisers have made their thoughts your thoughts. And the enemy is making, he has made uh, his thoughts even to us, as Paul says in this Second Corinthians eleven, verse uh, chapter eleven, verse three, and so often we we not even realizing that we think okay, we coming up with these great ideas, or it's us thinking these horrible thoughts, and we have a there's almost a sense of like mini or micro mind control. We don't even realize it, um, which is really bad, really, really bad because we're thinking, okay, this is us, we want one. And I'm not saying that we're just going to the store 
Cause that that's a bad thing because you actually may be hungry or, or that that outfit may actually be nice to you or that technology piece may actually work for you. I'm not trying to say all of that, but you just be, what I'm saying is just be careful with your thoughts because sometimes the thoughts are actually uh, the thoughts of the devil. Chapter uh, Corinthians chapter 10 verse 5 says, read the minds, arguments, and every pretense that Sets up against the knowledge of our Father, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Um, so, prayer is a time for communion with the Father. And, however, sometimes you know, the prayer conflict is unavoidable, even in a secret place. You know, we have to take captive. Our Father desires that, in a sense, that we argue, we disagree. And we wage spiritual warfare with Satan during prayer. And this is so that we can remain in a secret place. Because the enemy, he's not going to stop because you close some physical door, okay? He's not going to stop attacking you because in, in, in your mind, you know, you're trying to focus on the Father. Matter of fact, he may even attack you more, you know. Um, spiritual warfare, you know, is an important piece of uh, closing the door. And speaking of that, Second uh, Corinthians 10 verse 5 is actually a uh, uh, something else I wanted to focus on that will help you with uh, closing the door, you know. Actually, let's go to uh, Hebrews chapter 11 verse 3. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 3. It says, by faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of our Father. You know, what is uh, interesting to me is the Hebrew word here for frame is the word yetzer. It's not Y-E-T-Z-E-R, yetzer, Y-E-T-Z-E-R. And when you look at the Hebrew word for it, it's it really doesn't mean frame. Um, actually, if you transfer yetzer straight to English, it's the word imagination. So why is translated frame? I'm not. I'm not sure. Um, but the ancient Hebrews and even Greeks believed that there were two aspects of the mind. There was first the uh, analytical mind. This is the thought and reason part of the mind, and the Greek word for that is nous. And this is actually used in scripture. It says, Then open he their understanding, or it says noose, N O U S, that they might understand the scriptures. That's uh, Luke chapter 24, verses uh, 45. Then open he their understanding, their noose, speaking of their analytical mind, that they might understand the scriptures. Luke 24, verse 45. But the second aspect of the mind is, for all you artists out there, is the creativity and imagination parts of the mind. And this is the word, yet, sir. Yet, sir. Creativity and imagination. Now, neither aspect of the mind, I believe, is greater than the other, but I believe they work on one accord. You know, when our father said, let there be the whole of creation was already in his mind or his yetzer y-a-t-z-e-r 
um, the question is, well, what does this mean to me? How how can I make this wisdom, uh, this imagination relevant in my life and manifest my destiny, you know? Let's look at uh, Genesis chapter 6, verse 5, because uh, that Hebrews 11, 3, which says, by faith we understand that the words were imagined, this kind of frame, the words were, the worlds were imagined by the word of our Father. That's talking about our Father in heaven, but what about us? So Genesis 6, 5 says, the Lord saw how great man's wickedness on earth had become and that every inclination of the thought of his heart was only evil all the time. Again, we find the word yet, sir, behind the word inclination. So these people were not only judged on what they have become, but on what was yet to come. So to our father, imagination is a very powerful tool. After all, that's how he framed the world with his uh, yetzer, imagination. The yetzer, it represents what's unseen, the invisible, the spiritual, the future, that which hasn't manifested yet. So our father foresaw that more evil was coming, and this uh, passes Genesis chapter 6, verse 5. And we all have the opportunity to use our imagination for something great. Actually, <laughs> Actually, I remember when I was uh, a child, you know, I, I, I imagined myself winning countless NBA championships in my backyard, you know. <laughs> but that was more like wish, wishful thinking. <laughs> um, but anyway, back to the word. Uh, Isaiah 26, verse 3, it says that he will keep our, he will keep us in perfect peace through mind, or yet, sir, is continually stayed on him you know we all desire peace so let's uh, let's uh use our uh, our imagination um or the thoughts focus on the father so that we can obtain this peace um you know there's a we've been talking about this for the last few minutes but there's a battle waging for our imaginations for our mind the enemy he's going to use whatever battle battleground he can uh, one of the main fronts uh, this day is media is through the internet and television. You know, actually, the word television is kind of interesting. It means uh, basically tell you a vision if you kind of break the word television, tell telling you something. So um, when you dissect that word, you know, you're like, okay, what what are they trying to tell tell us? And basically, they're trying to frame your yet so your imagination. And there are things on television or internet. There's a whole lot of great things. Uh, uh, Dorothy Carruthers on her YouTube channel. If you go to there, go to the blog talk. A whole lot of powerful teachings on there. I mean, this go to YouTube. A lot of powerful teachings on there. You know, but and then the same thing. There's a whole lot of clutter on there and things that want to uh, corrupt. Your imagination, um, and and it's, it's so easy to get sucked in that, you know. And sometimes we just want to okay, I just want to watch TV because I I enjoy this show. It got good humor, it got good drama. Um, but uh, it 
it was almost kind of like a kind of that for us to participate in it too much. Actually, uh, they say that Americans, they watch six hours of television a day. That's nearly one third of the day, you know. And for most of us, guess what the rest of the time is spent? Sleeping and working. <laughs> so that doesn't leave much space for our Father to operate in our lives. Now, thinking about all that and about television, you know, I believe even Christian programming can do this to us. We can become hypnotized, basically, in a sense, and trapped on a couch or trapped on a chair in front of a, a laptop. Basically, we're we're not really being active. And I believe that there are many great inventions, businesses, and ideas that, Basically, they never leave the couch, you know. And, in fact, some of these uh, ideas are not even allowed to develop in our minds because of just because we were watching, you know. <laughs> I was one show that my father was watching. I can't remember what it is, but he said he felt like, he, and he, it, he wasn't watching it, but it was actually, as kids watching, he said, y'all can't watch this anymore because I feel like I'm getting stupider <laughs> as I watch this show, you know. So we have to be careful um, when we're watching even advertisers. They know this. That's why they spend all this money on advertising. And just think about, like, as a child, you know, I'm just thinking about when I was a child and how my imagination, you know, or even just children, imagination, they, they can take them so, place, so many places. I mean, they can space travel within their bedroom or they can have, have a combat zone or like some kind of military thing just with, with their imagination, you know, kids playing together, playing in school and all this kind of thing and take you to a galaxy far, far away. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with those things, you know. But sometimes it can be, okay, you got a imaginary friend, you got to see what's going on with that um, because your imagination, of course, the enemy is going to be using those things, too, to try to occupy your mind and your children's mind, you know. But without saying this all in mind, that we must remember that we are made in the image of our, our Father, you know. Um, and even uh, you, as a child, you are made in the image of your uh, your physical Father, you know. And we must and if you have any children, too, you have children that are made sort of like in your image, you know. And so you have to be aware that uh, we must teach them, you know, these same truths, you know, <laughs> that uh, the imagination is, is is fine and great to use, but we must always keep it tied to the Bible and Scripture. can't be, be going off to all these of other realms because the enemy, you know, he can he can come in and he can take a little bit of truth and he can destroy you and take you all the way to a, a place where you don't even realize that you are gone, you know. So using your imagination in a secret place is uh, one of the keys. So, for example, you can imagine uh, you as you pray, uh, Father. Um, I apply for these positions, Father. I pray, Father, Lord, that uh, you will open up this position for me, Father, that you cause my resume that I applied for to be 
the first one on top. And as you're praying these things, you can be imagining that the person is actually looking at your resume, and actually you can imagine Jesus over your, their shoulder to point and like, yeah, pick that one, choose that one, you know. That's right there is how you can use imagination, you know, as you uh, uh, pray in it. And, and like, this is this kind of like uh, some people, you have to hear people, especially in these days, talk about visualization, you know. Um, and that's a very, like, a new age term that they, they use, you know, but actually that right there is a spiritual tool that belongs to the church and that the new age movement and those who are like that, they take advantage of it. And we, because we say, oh, they're using it, we're not supposed to be doing that. No, no, right there, imagination, visualization, while you're in prayer, our Father wants us to do that because that all helps us focus our mind on the things of our Father, you know. Um, Actually, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18, Paul says, that I pray that the eyes of your heart might be enlightened. And this is talking about, again, the imagination, you know. Everything our Father has to offer, you know, to us, you know, is is within this storage room, this this tamion, you know. And all we have to do is pray to him and reframe our imagination according to the purposes of the Father. And this is a way that uh, you close the door on uh, by using your imagination instead of that it being like a kite and everywhere your thoughts go, you just harness that kite and you tell it where it wanted to go by you imagining it, imagining uh, seeing your your uh, family restored, imagine you seeing um, uh, a love one come to Christ, imagine you receiving a promotion, um, believe and you shall receive, you know. Uh, there was a... Uh, uh, one Sunday morning, there my mother and actually took two of, two of uh, my nephews, you know, and we uh, we went to church. Actually, it was a we went to church before church. It was sort of a prayer meeting, and we wanted this place, and the, the building had barely warmed up, and they had the heaters on. It was kind of cold in there, and people were. It was very few people in there, but they were. There was maybe about five people together, maybe six, counting my mother and my two nephews, me, so that's about four. So it might have been a little bit more than that, it, less than eight people. But uh, they were in there praying, and my nephew, they had to be about eight or nine at the time. And uh, they asked, uh, are we going to hear from the Father? Are we going to hear from God today? And you know what? I would... To me, that kind of shocked me and startled me <laughs> to hear this, to hear them as uh, children even thinking about such things. Then it even this was many years ago. It even brought itself my question. Okay, I'm just thinking. Okay, I'm just here to pray, but they're thinking about. Okay, we're we're at church and we didn't heard these things. As our father, is he going to speak to us? And, you know, I'm, I'm like, wow. And I think sometimes we kind of uh, go into the secret place and and we just, we're just going through the motions of prayer, even though 
our heart may be sincere, but we forget about the part of this is a time not only for us, you know, to talk to our father, but also our father to talk to us, to give us understanding, to give us uh, revelation, you know. It's it's not really um, just a one-way type situation or a one-way communication. We have to think of it as, as a, a two-way road a, 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 in exchange, you know. Our heart has to be in the right place for this to happen. So we need to be, that's another thing. <laughs> that we were going and close the door in a secret place, we need to be in tune with our father because he truly, I believe, he he wants to minister to us and, and speak to us in these ways. But I believe a lot of, a lot of people have been uh, taught to basically that uh, well, our father, he only speaks to certain people like or, or certain people those ways and I believe our father he speaks to everyone he gives basically everyone the same opportunity it's just our willingness to yield to it and to receive it and to understand it and to know it but I believe some of us we don't know it because we're in and even though we want to we're in a a spiritual caste system C-A-S-T system you're uh, familiar with the uh, the caste system, it's kind of kind of like uh, even though they they uh, it's not known or they say in the country of India that they that they don't have it now, but they had a, a system, and they had different groups within this system. They had one of the, um, the systems or one of the classes where they were the educated. They, these people are the writers, the thinkers, and the religious workers. And they had another, which was kind of the second rank, and they were like the rulers, property owners, and warriors, and they kind of protected the country. And then there was another level, and these are the skilled traders, the merchants, and they, they're minor officials. Then we have uh, another one, and these were the unskilled laborers, so they did things. And then they had finally the last one, which were the uh, untouchables. And and they lived a life full of uh, these people lived a life full of discrimination and poverty, and in their own land. So these caste systems, um, has if you were born into a certain level or ranking, you were expected to be in that level. So if he was uh, untouchable. There was no way that uh, you could ever move up into the uh, system, you know, which is uh, kind of put limits and barriers on people, you know. So uh, lower people in caste system, they were restricted from from marrying those and other people. They were restricted from drinking fountains or separate places of worship, uh, even separately. And even here in America, we had that system with the Jim Crow laws with um, with that, you know. But in India, also, there was a culture that that, that experienced, and they actually had levels that type of discrimination going on. And we we had a two arses based on color, you know. And and, and it's just not Indian, it's just not American, but it's, it's many countries and cultures that have that type of a experience or system. And it's, and it's sad because uh, 
the church. The church, it, it has that type of system, too. The the two systems or levels that I'm in the church that I see, I'm just kind of summarizing it, is a clergy, which are like your, uh, your priests, pastors, deacons, and those on then your layman. These are just your, your uh, sort of regular church members or goers. So, um, so we, I believe we have these two type of systems. We have uh, people there. Uh, they write newsletters. They they serve as ushers. They use the sound equipment. They clean toilets. Then they carry carry up various other duties. And on the other hand, we have the clergy. You know, they minister the word of God. They counsel. And they pray. They're known for that. You know. And I believe there is a separation and distinction. They have their purposes. You know. Because, but but if you begin and look at that, I believe it it influences the church community to thinking, okay, I'm not in one of these positions, so my father he's not going to speak to me like that, or he he's he's not going to talk to me like that. And then matter of fact, I can't talk to him like that. It's almost like when you hear in the, in the United States government about all the red tape bureaucracy, and is uh. Basically, it's like a certain window or, or the glass window or the Indian caste system. Um, we in the church, we have this, we, you know, we have created a separation, and not just between churches or denominations, but between us and the Father. You know, and, and it's things that, that we're teaching and we're creating as doctrine, you know. And I believe our Father, he he doesn't want any of that anymore. He wants regular layman, regular church people, you know, to, to, to do great exploits and great things for Father. But it's, it's all about a, a retraining of our mind. He wants he wants layman to visit the hospitals and pray for the sick, and not not just the pastor, not just the, the priest or who, whatever their title is or the deacon. He wants the regular layman to preach on the streets and prophesy the word or even preach behind a pulpit, you know. But a lot of times we we ourselves and even the the church as an institution, you know, we think it's only acceptable for clergy to participate in these type of activities, which uh, I believe has greatly handicapped the church and has stopped people from growing into the greater things of our Father because we, we are our, our royal priesthood. We are a holy nation. We are, as Ephesians 4.11 says, he gave himself so that some will be apostles, some will be prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. All of us, everyone within the church building, everyone who's, who's called, everyone is called the ministry. Okay, we're not just called to just sit there. We even are not just called to just listen listen to me or these programs. These are gifts that we can learn. We we are supposed to be be going beyond those things. We we're supposed to be more than pew warmers or couch warmers or couch potatoes, but we're supposed to be the clergy in our neighborhood, in our communities, in our, in our jobs. And when we uh, when we don't become that. Basically, what we're doing as children of the Most High, that we're settling for crumbs. We're settling for crumbs because we're letting a clergyman, which again is nothing wrong with, we're allowed, we're letting them teach us. But we should be going to the Father for ourselves, so that He can give us our own understanding and revelation. You know, that's what He always wants. That's what He always desires for us to go for Him to have a one-on-one relationship. And I believe we don't realize that because that's how we have been taught. 
you know. We have the same access, like the woman with the issue of blood uh, in Luke chapter 8, which is uh, recorded. Um, uh, Romans but ten fourteen says that uh, actually how can they call on the ones who they not have believed in? And how can they believe in the ones who they not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? You know, so it's not just up to the Billy Grahams and the, the people that you may see on TV as well. Known. Oh, they're going to do that, or they're they going to do that. They're going to hear the gospel that way. But they're drawing people are looking for living epistles. They're looking for the people in their lives that they can relate to, that they know personally to do that. And we can only do that if if, if we're placing ourselves in a position. So um, um, that scripture I want to share with you is John 16, verse 26. Um in that day, he will ask, you will ask my name, and uh, sorry, let me start over. In that day, you will ask in my name, and I'm not saying that I will ask a father on your behalf. So this is Jesus saying, in that day, you will ask in my name, and I'm not saying that I'm going to ask a father on your behalf. Basically, what it's saying is you, you're going to go straight to the father. So. I want to encourage you to, whether you're a video editor or janitor or usher or whatever your position is at the church, I want to encourage you to heal the sick, to preach the word, to win the loss, to bring salvation to all. And all of the salvation is different manifestations. Don't limit what the Father desires to do through you. Second um, Peter chapter 1, verse 3 says, His divine power has given us everything we need pertaining in guys." And life and um, through life and godliness, through the knowledge of Him, you know. So you you possess more than an ability to hold a smile on your face. Because some people say, "Okay, this is your gift. This is your gift." No, it's more than that. And it all begins, you know, when we got to be able to listen beyond the wind. We got to hear beyond all the the things that that are coming upon us in our life as we go into this sacred place. We have that hear beyond all those things that are bombarded, bombarding our mind. You know? um, I'd like to finally uh, close with um, this last secret, you know, because so far we've been talking about using your imagination and visualization and, and ways that you can close the door, not just physical door, but close the spiritual door as you go into the secret place. Um, the last secret uh, is Matthew 6 verse 4 talking about the Lord the Lord's prayer is actually uh, what uh, Paul talks about because um, actually I, 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 I want to give you an example um, when I was in English class we were learning how to write poetry and there were many foundational rules that we needed to set our foundation so we had to have we had, had to learn rhythm, the meter um, and all different type of poetry rules and these gave it tone depth and place and applying these rules that helped us create some um, beautiful poems and as the uh, semester progressed you know our teacher then introduced to us the term poetic license and poetic license is a the liberty to take um, as uh, being a poet or artist or to deviate a little bit from the rule in order to produce a desired effect. So they have these rules in place where you have to do this and that, but then you see some people, they kind of break these rules 
in order for a desired effect. Cajun they would uh, so they can change the rhythm or so that they can stress the syllabus syllable, you know. For creativity. And I believe this is a secret within a secret. Uh, I believe instead of a poetic license, Jesus has given us a, a poetic prayer license, which is uh, the Lord's Prayer is basically that we uh, we, we go on a, a door, we close the door, and we pray to our Father who is in secret, you know. But I believe that the uh, poetic license is where we then or not that we're bending or breaking any rules, but it's actually First uh, Thessalonians five seventeen. It says that you pray without ceasing. So <clears throat> Paul is encouraging the believers to pray without ceasing. What is, what is that talking about? What does that have to do with the poetic license or a poetic prayer license? Basically, that is don't let your determine your physical location determine your spiritual destiny. So, like, oh man, I can only pray to my father who's in secret if I'm closing the door in a physical room. But no, you can do that. Driving down the highway, you can do it <clears throat> in your office. You can do that at a conference table with, with many people at the table. You know, <laughs> you know, it's, it's not a physical location. I believe after you practice and apply the principles actually in a secret place in your room, that you begin to do this first Thessalonians 5 or 17 and pray without ceasing no matter where you're at. And so you're in a doctor's office in the in the court system, <laughs> um, at the grocery store, you know. Um, so I believe uh, these tips um, will take you into the secret place, and they will um, encourage you to uh, move beyond, you know, the, the, your current prayer life that you have, and cause you to have a more intimate and um, a greater fellowship with the Father, and. I'm going to end there. That's that's where we'll end this evening. On uh, knowing the secret place, I hope you was able to, uh, to learn a lot, and hope you was able to write down some of the some of the uh, tips I gave you to uh, staying in a secret place using your imagination, visualization, and closing a door, and also the, the scriptures that I gave you. Again, thank you for listening to my podcast, Heavenly Places. You can visit my website at jameer.org, J-A-M-E-R-E dot O-R-G. You can send me an email, drmearj at gmail.com, D-R-M-E-R-E-J-A-Y at gmail.com. And you can uh, actually, it was more in the book. I didn't go over everything. But you can, I'll give you a free book if you you want one. I've been able to give away a few books, so that that was great and fantastic. And uh, I had some people actually... Um, respond to them. So uh, thank you for listening, tuning in this evening. Uh, Dorothy, are you there? Yes, I'm here. That was yes. um, very good. I think one of the things that poked up in my head was that perhaps the secret place is not about a physical geographic location. Is that crazy? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is, we can we can be easily tricked or focused on a, a physical place, you know. <laughs> it's so easy to do. And not that we're trying to be false about it or 
whatever. It's just something that we just follow what we see. Mhm. Yeah, because if if you can be in the secret place at the doctor's office, that's pretty cool. Yeah, you know, <laughs> with all chaos going around you, with you be your mind will be in perfect peace. You know, imagination in perfect peace. Okay, well, I guess I'll close in prayer. I'd like to thank everyone for listening and tuning in. Um. We'll be I'll be again with you next week. And don't forget to check out all the different resources on uh, Dorothy Carruthers' YouTube channel and also on the SoundCloud and on the uh, Blog Talk link and, and also on my uh, webpage. Uh, uh, Father, we thank you for your goodness, grace, and mercy. We thank you for your salvation, Father. Um, help all of us, Father Lord, to have a more intimate relationship with you, Father. Um, teach us about your secret place. Teach us how to this in front of you. Teach us, Father Lord, that we don't just need a minister, prophet, or, or preacher to teach us, Father, but you, Father, can teach us directly from your word, the oracles of God, um, your scripture, directly towards us, Father Lord, your, your written word, oh, Father. Help us, Father Lord, not to, to hinder our relationship with you, Father. Help us know that it's more than a one-way road, but it's a two-way road, oh, Father. I thank you for intervening and all the listeners, Lord, and everyone connected with them, that their friends and family will be saved, that uh, that they will prosper in their health, oh, Father Lord, and their finances, and their relationship, Father Lord, and everything connected with them. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so very much, Jameer. Everybody have a blessed week in the Lord, and Go find that secret place. It's available. (laughs) That's where we need to try and live there as much as possible, as far as I can tell. I know, yes, yes. (laughs) Don't limit it to one hour, you know, 24-7 if you can. (laughs) Thank you, Jameer. Okay. Good night. All right.